informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. And thanks so much for joining us once again here today on Agriculture of America, AOA. Happy to have you along for the conversation. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. We have an exciting show lined up for you once again here today on the program. We're going to talk markets in segment two with Naomi Bloom from Total Farm Marketing. We'll get her perspective on what we're seeing in the market trade. We see soybeans are breaking through some of that resistance around $13 in November beans. We did that in the overnight trade Tuesday night into Wednesday, and we're going to see uh, her thoughts on if we could sustain above the $13 mark. Corn largely holding in a sideways range. We're going to get some thoughts on the market trade coming up with Naomi here in just a little bit. Then in segment three today, we're going to talk with Michael Cruzen with the Minnesota Department of Animal Health about the HPAI outbreak we're seeing across the upper Midwest, highly pathogenic avian influenza. We're going to talk about some tips and things that Poultry farmers and growers need to think about when it comes to their flocks and their operations. So we'll get to that conversation coming up here in segment three today at the bottom of the hour. And then we'll wrap the show. We're going to learn more about a new vineyard insurance program from USDA. Josh Smart with Insurance Brokerage Hub International is an expert on this. He's going to join us to discuss what this program entails. So that is coming up here at the end of today's program. Today's show brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel and Cenex Roadmaster XL. Everyday products powered locally. That's Cenex. And again, you can find more details and find your nearest Cenex location online by going to Cenex.com. That's Cenex.com. Well, let's start the show. I want to take a look at a few news headlines. The USDA this week has issued over $1.77 billion to agricultural producers and landowners through its conservation reserve program the agency says the program is a critical piece of the department's efforts to support climate smart agriculture and forestry on working lands more than 667,000 participants received payments from the farm service agency for their voluntary conservation efforts on more than 23 million acres of private land ag secretary tom vilsack says quote through the addition of tools to sequester carbon reduce greenhouse gas emissions and better quantify these efforts we made the conservation reserve program better for the nation's ag producers and landowners and our natural resources we are grateful to all crp participants who are making a tremendous difference now and for future generations end quote now, the USDA listed the top five states for CRP participation payments, including Iowa at number one, followed by Illinois, Minnesota, South Dakota, and Missouri. Well, Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa, we talked to him on yesterday's program, along with Cindy Hyde-Smith, a Republican senator from Michigan, and 15 of their Senate colleagues are challenging the EPA to abandon its proposed mitigation measures targeting 11 rodenticides. In a letter to Environmental Protection Agency Administrator Michael Regan, the senators urged Regan to consult the businesses and individuals who rely on rodent control products when developing rules that affect their operations. Now, the letter says, quote, as written, the proposed mitigation measures will place severe restrictions on product users and result in crop damage and livestock loss, jeopardize the safety of the food supply, weaken public health protections and make it more difficult for people to protect their homes and properties from rodents, end quote. 
Now, the EPA's proposed mitigation measures would classify most rodent control products as restricted-use pesticides and require users to become licensed, state-certified applicators. It would prohibit surface application methods for protecting crops and require growers to conduct carcass searches for two weeks after application. In other news headlines here today, well, Greg Downs, the incoming CEO of the National Milk Producers Federation, he'll take over when current CEO Jim Mulhern retires. Dowd talks about some of the biggest challenges ahead in his new position. The obvious challenges, I have to learn all these different particulars about federal milk marketing orders and dairy policy and risk management programs. I have been in Washington 31 years now, which I always tell people means I'm of no value to anyone in the outside world any longer. But a lot of background, you know, I've worked up in the Senate and and been in town a long time, but I've never done dairy, so this is a new thing I have to learn. As the NMPF watches the process of updating the federal milk marketing orders, Dowd says it's a big job. Not very many people have ever gone through this, actually. It's been 23 years since the last time they did this, and that's the funny conversation in the office is now we know why. This is a very tedious and gigantic undertaking. But I think the key thing that National Milk has done here, and Jim has done a very good job of building consensus amongst the National Milk membership and deciding how are we going to do this and, and what do we all agree on as a group and push forward with that as a game plan, and I think that's paid huge dividends. Again, that is Greg Dowd, the incoming CEO of the National Milk Producers Federation. Well, every growing season is unique, and it's known that rain or lack thereof during certain times can impact final yield numbers, but not so well known as exactly how big that impact is. Scott Irwin with the University of Illinois wanted to find that out and wrote up a report of his research with Farm Doc Daily. We know the generalities about when weather is more or less important in terms of corn and soybean Uh, yields here in the Midwest. But what I really wanted to dig into is figure out how much difference does it make when you get rain or hot weather in certain periods. The report shows the early season response to temperatures in April and May is positive, while the response in June through August is negative. The largest response to temperatures is in July and August. Irwin says the two biggest factors are July precipitation and July temperatures. Two-thirds of that time, the impact of rain on July yield created a range of 12.7 bushels an acre. In temperatures, that's a 9.9 bushel an acre range. My underlying motivation is I always call July precipitation, the golden number for Corn Belt agriculture, and the analysis really shows that that's true. Precipitation in July swings corn yields about 30% more than the next most important variable, which is July temperature. A third largest impact on crop yield is not August precipitation or temperatures, it's late planting. Irwin says that has a range of 7.7 bushels an acre, nearly double the August weather impact. I'm really kind of relieved to find that because I think that matches markets' attention played every spring to planting progress, particularly for corn. Uh, And the data backs up that attention that is paid in the marketplace to uh, planting progress. Irwin says this is a surprising statistic. He measures late planting by a percentage of the crop planted after May 20th, but each percent late after that time does not have a big impact on dropping corn yield. But what is the key, late planting as a variable is wildly wider distribution than the other variables uh, because, you know, when you're late, you tend to be really late and then you have a big impact of late planning. And then most years, you know, it doesn't have such a big impact. But when you net it all out, it's a surprisingly important variable.
Well, and Irwin adds that the next two important variables are August temps and rain with a yield impact of 4 to 4.8 bushels an acre range. All other crop weather variables have ranges of fewer than two bushels. Again, that is uh, comments from Scott Irwin with the University of Illinois looking at how the impact of rain at the right or wrong times affects yield. And you can find that research uh, in a report he wrote up for Farm Doc Daily. A lot of things going on around agriculture, and of course, we continue to watch the market trade. And coming up next, we are going to get some perspective and market analysis here on AOA with Naomi Bloom, Senior Market Advisor at Total Farm Marketing. She'll join us on the way after the break as we will be back with more here on AOA. Agriculture of America brought to you by Cenex, Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil oil that runs smart find your nearest cenex online at cenex.com we'll be back with more on the way right after this challenge it's not something you shy from it's a chance to up your game every day brings a new challenge but with the Enhanced Channel Seed brand on your side, you can rise to it. With our top-performing seed, innovative digital tools, and expanded agronomic support, you can turn tomorrow's challenges into your next advantage. Your Enhanced Channel Seed brand. Let's rise to the challenge. Learn more at channel.com rise. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Join us the first Wednesday of every month on AOA for the latest episode of The Monthly Grind with our friends at the National Corn Growers Association. We'll discuss the latest topics surrounding the corn industry, the relationships between corn and other parts of the agricultural supply chain, the newest initiatives and partnerships from NCGA's Market Development Action Team, and much more. That's the first Wednesday of every month for The Monthly Grind on AOA. It's a show you don't want to miss. In today's troubled world, our USA Armed Forces stand ready to protect you, your family, and our American way of life. When veterans return to civilian life, they deserve your recognition and support. You can help put vets to work by donating your car, truck, or van to Patriotic Hearts. Your donation will directly support programs to help vets find jobs or even start their own business. Donate today for fast, free pickup of your vehicle, running or not. Operators are standing by to answer questions about making a tax-deductible vehicle donation. Find out how you can make a difference in the life of the United States veteran. Call 800-209-6416 for 24-hour response. Call 800-209-6416. 800-209-6416. That's 800-209-6416. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block. Maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach, and in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations 
solutions to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Informing America's Farmers and Ranchers, AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to AOA, Agriculture of America, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel, a diesel that doesn't mess around. Well, let's turn our attention to what's going on in the markets. We've seen an interesting week, especially in the soy complex, after a uh, pretty uh, impressive NOPA report that came out on Monday with a high September crush number and the lowest bean oil stocks we've seen in quite a few years. So I know we're going to talk about that and more. Joining us now to discuss the markets, Naomi Bloom with Total Farm Marketing. Naomi, it's great to talk with you again. How are you? I am doing fantastic. Thanks for having me. Well, let's dive in and talk about this market trade, Naomi. And as I mentioned, it's been an interesting week in soybeans. I know uh, overnight into Wednesday morning, we broke through $13 in November beans and we started to give some of that back. And it's just been kind of a the seesaw around this $13 mark, which I guess, is it psychological resistance? Is it chart resistance? What's your thought with what's going on in the soy market right now? It, it's both. So November beans, of course, psychological resistance, technical resistance at the $13 level, um, and, and just a big hurdle to climb above. The market wants to you know, continue to see if we have solid exports, and we did see China come in and buy 132,000 tons this morning. So there is some supportive news there. We're also seeing the market find its harvest low, but we just need some above and beyond bullish news to get the market to just shoot higher through resistance. And of course, $13 is that point for the November contract. And then right above there, there's a whole snare of moving average between the 40-day, 50-day, 100-day, 200-day moving averages that all kind of um, focus in around 13 and a quarter. So we're seeing traders that are mindful of these short-term trading ranges, but we are also seeing some friendlier news come into the marketplace. As you alluded to, that crush report, really solid this past um, go-around uh, with a record 165.5 million bushels for the month. And then, of course, as you had also mentioned, soy oil stocks down to a nine-year low. So that's just really supportive news. Um, you know, getting halfway through harvest, also supportive and now the market is shifting towards watching weather in the United States. They're calling for kind of a cold, yucky, rainy end of November, I'm sorry, end of October, uh, which mm -hmm. might affect harvest in the northern plains. And then, of course, keeping an eye on South American weather as well. And, you know, thinking about that and watching weather and largely these grain markets, it feels like the last month or two, largely been sideways and to your point about uh, trying to find news uh, here to feed the market we just really haven't had a lot i think in the case of the corn market naomi i mean 480 485 490 dece corn we've been stuck there for what feels like an eternity it just these markets have been really rather quiet and there hasn't been enough to feed the bull uh sharply to the upside it feels like 
you hit the nail on the head again. It's been a three-month sideways trading range, but the good news is that since uh, September, middle of September, we have seen a very, very slow uptrend for the December corn futures market. If we can clear the $5 resistance level, the next target higher on the December corn is near the 510 area. That's the 100-day moving average. We still have that gap on the December chart to fill at 525 and a half. And you could argue there's an upside down head and shoulders formation, which points to 530. 530 is a significant number because that's the 200-day moving average and the top of the downtrend line that has held us captive essentially for two years. Uh, so with the seasonal tendency here, we usually see corn, pu corn futures push higher into the end of October. And I just want producers to really understand what we're still dealing with is 2 billion bushel carryout. We have solid ethanol numbers. Export demand is kind of picking up. But if we can get that push higher to five and a quarter on the board, or maybe even that 530 level, I really would say that's an opportunity to get more current with sales. Because then, seasonally, during the month of November and early December, corn futures have a tendency to kind of become lackluster with trade as we wait for additional fresh news to talk about. So um, I'm optimistic for the short term, but I think producers need to be ready. Have your orders in place at the elevator. If we see five and a quarter or 5.30 on the board, make sure you're moving some, some sales. Um, the only thing, in my opinion right now, that could make this market explode would unfortunately be if we have bad news with the wars in the world. Um, but otherwise, mm -hmm. make sure that you have your orders in at your elevator and get those sales made. And to that point, Naomi, what are you hearing? Because I've heard it both ways. I've heard some farmers are selling right off the combine, especially soybeans here this fall. And then I've heard a lot of talk that farmers, if they have the on-farm storage, they're putting it in the bin, both corn and beans, and waiting to see if we can get a bit higher price uh, on the board here. So uh, what are you hearing when you talk to customers across the country? Both, same as you. Um, I think okay. primarily it depends on if they have the on-farm storage or not. And then they're really being mindful, okay, DP isn't free this year. So they have to pay storage costs if they're in town. They're also very aware of those higher interest rate costs. And so they're thinking, okay, what is that going to cost me a month regarding interest rates and things like that? So we've had a lot of really thoughtful conversations with producers about realistic expectations for price points, um, understanding that if you decided to sell cash right now and be done with it, um, you could reown it potentially with a, a call option strategy cheaper than what it would be if you were trying to hold it and hope for higher prices down the road in terms of what it costs for storage, what it costs on that interest rate. So um, it's both. Everyone's situation is a little bit different. Um, and it's, it's just been, it's been wonderful, thoughtful, mindful conversations this year. Uh, people are very, very in tune with what's happening in their farm finances and just really find, trying to find strategies that are the best for them. We're talking with Naomi Bloom from Total Farm Marketing here today on AOA. Uh, Naomi, you mentioned earlier about the weather, and I know we're wrapping up U.S. harvest here. We're on the downhill slide at least, especially beans. I, I think we're about three-quarters of the way done, or we should be after this week. Court a little ways to go. But South America, there's dryness in Argentina that we've been talking about for quite some time. Brazil is having a few issues as well. Are you worried about that at this point are you hearing from folks that are keeping a, a 
close eye on that situation down there. It's not do or die yet, but it feels like it bears watching right now. It does bear watching. It's not do or die yet. It is something to be aware of um, on a couple fronts. If the bean crop is slow to get planted, that means it's going to be slow to get harvested. That means second crop corn in Brazil is slow to get planted, which means it's going to be growing in the bulk of their hot and dry season. So that could be something for friendly for corn, but not until late winter, early spring here in our country. So mm -hmm. we have to watch it from that standpoint. We have to watch it from the standpoint of that could be the firecracker of what make markets go just wild in late December or early January if the weather in Brazil is staying on the drier side and if it's staying drier in Argentina. Um, obviously, they, Brazil is the bigger competitor that we have for exports, so it's important to be aware of what's happening there. We know that U.S. exports are going to be down a bit from years past because of what Brazil is able to do, but we also have a situation now where our domestic demand for soybeans is so strong that if there is a weather issue in South America, then maybe we see our export market pick up. And now we have you know, some really friendly news for American producers. So it's important to watch. In my opinion, I'm not getting too excited about things until we get into the month of December, as that's when they're going to be into the heart of their growing season and, and weather watching becomes more important. And that's where like, if you wake up in the middle of the night and check the markets, if we're up big or down big, it's just depending on what's happening with the weather in Brazil a lot of the time. So important, but I'm thinking more like December, January is when the market really starts to pay attention to it. Okay. All right. Uh, Naomi, we have about a minute here. I'll let you take your pick cattle or dairy. I know you're up there in dairy country in Wisconsin. Any notes in either one of those markets you're watching this week? Well, I think cattle, what's top of mind, we have um, the cattle on feed report coming up on Friday of this week. So uh, we're going to be looking for September placements to come in at 101.2% of last year with a pretty big range of about 95 to 105. Uh, placements have been sharply below year-ago levels for the past two months, so we want to keep an eye on that. Marketings are expected to come in around 90.4% with a range, pretty tight range, 89.5 to 91.5. And the October 1 on-feed number is expected to come in near 99.7%, again, with a pretty tight range of 99 to 100.3. So the on-feed numbers have been below year-ago numbers for the past 11 months. Um, of course, that cattle market continues to be a friendly story overall because of the supplies being tighter but the market continues to be nervous about demand, domestic demand, and our export demand. Exports have not been amazing. So mm -hmm. uh, that's part of the reason why we saw the cattle market pull back lower. So lots of things to be watching this week. Definitely. Well, we always appreciate the conversation. Naomi Bloom with Total Farm Marketing. Thanks for joining us, Naomi. Have a great day. Thank you. And coming up next, we're going to talk about HPAI with Michael Cruzen from the Minnesota Department of Animal Health here on AOA, brought to you by Cenex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil. Back with more right after this. When people look at your farm, they just see corn. But to you, it's a lot more than that. It's a college fund, your retirement plan, and it deserves trait protection that can stand up to heavy pressure threats like corn woodworm. 
SmartStacks Pro with RNAi technology is trusted on over 1 million acres to protect the things that mean more. Trade up at SmartStacksPro.com. Always read and follow pesticide label directions. IRM, where applicable, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices. Copyright 2023 Bayer Group. All rights reserved. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we examine how the modern cooperative system solves today's biggest challenges. We'll be talking to CHS experts and farmers and ranchers just like you, and we'll learn how cooperatives apply innovation and technology to help co-op owners get more value every day. Join us Around the Table every Tuesday, or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. You're listening to AOA for the American Egg Network. I'm Richard Risvet with this market update. The grains and oil seeds are mildly higher this morning. Livestock is mixed, but mostly higher as well. Corn features are getting a boost early from the soaring soy complex and from the more than $2 rise in crude oil futures. A proposed embargo against Israel of oil shipments suggested by Iran sent crude oil higher. A bomb tore into the hospital in Gaza with both sides in the conflict blaming the other for the hit. In today's EIA Weekly Petroleum Report, traders are going to be expecting a possible jump of 3-4% to 4% on ethanol production as the average Midwest profit after cost is estimated to be 50-60 to 60 cents per gallon. Corn export demand remains focused in Mexico as they appear to be buying their needs much earlier than usual and most of that from the U.S. Currently, U.S. corn is more competitive to Brazil. However, Ukraine corn offers are dirt cheap and they are indications China is buying from Ukraine. Getting it shipped safely out of the corridor, though, could be another issue. November soybeans have also risen for four of the past five days and finally broke above the $13 mark again. Rumors are flowing around that China may have bought from three to five U.S. soybean cargoes on Tuesday. Now, a purchase was reported this morning. U.S. soybean sales at 10.7 million metric tons are reported to be the highest in 20 years as the U.S. picks up the slack from Argentina's soy shortfall due to its drought. U.S. soybean export sales, though, have left much to be desired and are down 32% from a year ago. And as in corn, Brazil has been the dominant export force following their record large crop. Brazil's October soy exports are projected to be 6.44 million metric tons. That's compared to just 3.6 million a year ago. Although U.S. ending stocks are pegged at the lowest level in seven years, Brazil is looking at another record crop, along with a sharp rebound in Argentine production. And crude oil prices are trading almost 2% higher. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Ristvet. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. With macular degeneration, you lose your central vision. You have a blind spot right in the center of your face, so I can't actually see your face. So even that little circle in which I could see became a big blur. I was 65 when I first was diagnosed with glaucoma. There were no symptoms. I had no headaches. Three million Americans have glaucoma, and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. You lose mobility, independence, changes your entire life. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes, and I don't want to lose that. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed. AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. 
And thanks for staying with us here on Agriculture of America AOA, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. Find your nearest Cenex location very easily online, Cenex.com. Well, right now, we want to turn our attention to the outbreak of highly pathogenic avian influenza across parts of the upper Midwest. We've seen cases confirmed now in South Dakota, Utah, and Minnesota. Joining us to discuss here on today's program, he is the communications director for the Minnesota Department of Animal Health. Michael Cruzen is with us. Michael, great to have you on AOA here today. I hope you're doing well. Good morning, Jesse. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, unfortunately, it's because of a topic like highly pathogenic avian influenza, but hopefully we can shed some more light on some of these things and get some information out to your listeners and uh, producers out there so that we can stop this disease. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Well, and I appreciate you uh, making the time to join us here today. So I mentioned we've got confirmed outbreaks now in a few states. I know we have outbreaks that have been confirmed in the Canadian prairies as well. What's the latest in terms of what we're seeing with this round of an HPAI outbreak? Can you get us up to speed there first? Sure. Yeah, I I think the best word that a lot of people have used uh, in talking to one another on this response when we have these meetings is popcorn. Uh, it's, it's kind of appearing like popcorn on where we're getting confirmations and where we're seeing a lot of sick bird reports and going out to collect samples and test things. So really what that tells us and what that should tell everyone involved in poultry or you know having birds is that you need to be on your guard right now, um, kind of geographically no matter where you are, because this is something that, that could be happening anywhere at the moment. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing is it could be happening anywhere. And I know a lot of this, Michael, is tied to the migration of of wild birds. It seems like that's always the one of the key culprits in the spread of HPAI amongst our flocks, isn't it? It is. And it's unfortunately one of those things that we can't put the 100% certainty on because there are so many wild birds out there. And despite the best efforts of our partners, at the federal government who do wildlife surveillance. And here in Minnesota, our our Department of Natural Resources also does wildlife surveillance where during like duck season, they'll collect samples to see what kind of viruses these birds might be carrying. And that gives us a very small picture of what's going on in those wild bird migrations. But it, you know, obviously doesn't give us 100% certainty on what's out there. So it just lets us know that the disease is moving around. And uh, again, that tells us back onto those people who own birds to keep their eyes open. Well, let's talk about what our best offense is here at this point in trying to defend against HPAI. What are some important biosecurity measures growers should have in place if they don't have already, or maybe some of those measures that they should try to shore up a little bit here to try and help defend their flocks against HPAI, Michael? Yeah, and... and to go with the cliche, the best offense, or you know, either way you put it, best offense here is a good defense. And biosecurity is that defense. And what that means is treating your farm, treating your operation, treating your property with different lines of defense. That can start all the way out at your property line. Um, 
if you happen to have turkey or, or chicken barns, or you know, if you raise a pretty good sized free range flock and it's out by the road, it's considering, you know, is that fence line close to the road? Could there be traffic moving along the road, like feed trucks that are going farm to farm or um, people that are moving from workers from farm to farm that might have something on their tires or is your operation near a pond? Is there a water source nearby where you have those migrating birds stopping by for a rest while they're moving through on the migration? Is that a risk that something from there could come on to your, uh, into your barns or into your poultry flock? It's evaluating those risks outside of where you keep your poultry. And then it's also looking at yourself. Um, if you have any employees or staff, what your behaviors are, what your actions are, when you are crossing into that barn. We call that uh, a biosecure entry, making sure that you keep what's on the outside out and what's on the inside in. So when you enter that barn, you're stopping and you're taking off any outside clothing that could be contaminated, changing into barn-specific clothing to make sure that you're not bringing any of that outside in. And I like to say it, it should start with something as simple as your boots. That's just a good reminder to get everything going from head to toe on what you need to do when you go into the barn. Biosecurity is something that should be like breathing. It should be second nature. When you walk into that barn, the very minimal thing that you're doing is changing your footwear so you're not tracking in what you just walked through. If it's you know a fresh pile of goof species or something out in the driveway, you're not bringing that into your barn. You're changing into your clean barn-specific boots that you then walk around and care for your birds in and then when you leave the barn, leaving those clean boots inside and crossing back out and going back outside the barn. It's simple things like that that can really help and make a large difference. And, you know, when it comes to biosecurity, we understand. Mm -hmm. it, it's, you know, as a producer, you probably feel like we're just a broken record coming at you every day saying biosecurity, biosecurity, you know, keep doing it. And it can get tiring. And it can be something where it's like, you know, uh, I, I don't see any dead birds outside. I don't see any migrating birds. I just don't feel like there's a risk. Maybe I'll just run in quick today. I'm in a hurry. It's moments like that that you're increasing your risk um, of possibly bringing a disease in. So it's just keeping that vigilance. It's keeping that top of mind that, you know, despite all these things that might be going through my head about, oh, I can do this quick or it's mm -hmm. not a big deal, keep that biosecurity a big deal in your mind. We're having a conversation today with Michael Cruz and Communications Director at the Minnesota Department of Animal Health about HPAI. Michael, uh, what are some signs that producers should look for in their flocks uh, that they may have an HPAI infection? Let's give them a, a reminder on that. Uh, what are some things we should pay attention and keep on the lookout for? Certainly. Well, first, I'd like to give a lot of credit to producers because nobody knows your birds better than you. So even though I can give you a few signs here, I think you're going to know in the back of your head when there's something that's off. And even if it doesn't match up 100% with these signs, or even if it's not exactly one of these signs, I think producers know when there's just that feeling of walking into the barn that something is not quite right here. And don't be afraid to move on that feeling. It's not a bad thing that if you, you think something's up to call your vet right away to say, can you come check things out? I just don't feel good about the flock right now. Um, I just want to get a second opinion. But when it does come to some of those specific signs and some of those specific things to watch out for, 
you know, keep an eye on your water. If you have meters or if you're able to check on uh, the specific amounts of water that are provided to the birds every day, that's a great way to use data points to see, okay, is their water consumption dropping? Something's changing here. You know, what's going on? That decrease in water has been a, a thing that people look for right away. Um, decrease in egg production if they're producing eggs. You know, something's up if there aren't as many eggs coming out of that barn anymore or production's off a little bit, looking at those types of things. And then, you know, any unexplained death, it, you know, occasionally there's, you, you lose a bird or two from, from random things. I'm sure people know it can happen from anything um, inside the barn, just a bird could die off. But if those numbers start to climb, if it's something that's unusual or there's increased uh, mortality, uh, then that is something where you do want to get in contact with your veterinarian to look into that further. I was going to say, Michael, if they do feel like they have signs of an infection and they're concerned about that, I would have to think that first call should be to their veterinarian, right? Correct. Yes, their veterinarian. Um, and I really don't, I, I, I hate to throw a number out there for people to try and remember on the air, but if you do want to write this down or if you have a moment to write this down, if you're in Minnesota, uh, we have a Minnesota avian influenza hotline. So if you don't have a veterinarian or if you called your veterinarian and you also want to report it to us, we can work with farms as well. And that 800 number is 833-454-0156. And that's to report any sick birds. So 833-454-0156. And again, that is for Minnesota, and if folks are in other states, I'm sure if they contact their local veterinarian or they might be able to contact their state board of animal health or more to get more information, that would be key. Michael, before we let you go and run out of time here today, great thoughts on HPAI. Anything final you would want to mention or reiterate to folks here listening today? Um, kind of just going back to that biosecurity again, because that is that number one thing that we, uh, we take our hands off the wheel as the state agencies and the government and say, this is you know best on your farm, you know your birds best, biosecurity is something that you do best. We're just here to remind you to use it, utilize that tool. So when it comes to how best using that biosecurity on your farm, those producers are the experts, those staff that work with the birds every day are the experts, and the veterinarians that are out there working with the birds are the experts. So they all know biosecurity and they know what's the best biosecurity approach on their farm, and it's just a matter of following that plan. Well, and again, uh, we do appreciate the time and the insight talking about highly pathogenic avian influenza. Michael Cruzen, Communications Director with the Minnesota Board of Animal Health. Thanks so much for joining us here today on AOA. We appreciate the time. Have a great day. Thank you. You as well. And again, very important issue, something we really need to keep in mind and talk about here is uh, minimizing the risks of HPAI on our operations. All right, coming up next, we're going to learn more about new vineyard insurance that protects the grape vines from USDA. We're going to talk with Josh Smart from Hub International. He joins us next here on AOA, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel and Cenex Roadmaster XL. We'll be back with more right after this. Nothing offers an opportunity to bond and give thanks quite like breaking bread together. 
This is especially true as we welcome our troops back home and keep those who are still stationed overseas in our hearts. Hi, I'm Gary Sinise. Since 2011, the Gary Sinise Foundation's Serving Heroes program has shown gratitude to our nation's defenders and their families by serving up nearly 500,000 hearty classic American meals at travel hubs and military locations. And now, together with our friends at Bob Evans Farms and their Our Farm Salutes program, we will help to provide even more meals nationwide, offering our defenders a taste of home and the feeling of togetherness around the table. Help us show America's gratitude through food and fellowship. Look for the Bob Evans Our Farm Salutes purple packaging at your grocery store and visit ourfarmsalutes.com to learn more. While we can never do enough to support the men and women who serve, together we can make a difference bite by bite. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Challenge. It's not something you shy from. It's a chance to up your game. Every day brings a new challenge. But with the Enhanced Channel Seed brand on your side, you can rise to it. With our top-performing seed, innovative digital tools, and expanded agronomic support, you can turn tomorrow's challenges into your next advantage. Your Enhanced Channel Seed brand. Let's rise to the challenge. Learn more at channel.com slash rise. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. So how's harvest? Higher yield potential starts with the season-long systemic disease protection of Zyway brand fungicides from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides protect corn crops from key foliar diseases and support physiological benefits that help develop healthier, higher yielding corn for a difference you'll appreciate at harvest. Visit your FMC retailer for an at-plant advantage. Always read and follow all label directions. Corn is native to the American continents and was unknown to the rest of humanity until Columbus arrived in the New World in the 15th century. It took less than 100 years after Columbus's discovery for corn to be introduced to farmers in Asia, Africa, Europe, and the Pacific Islands. After wheat and rice, corn is the third most cultivated crop in the world. The four nations that purchase the most corn from the United States are Mexico and Colombia, who use it as a food ingredient, and Japan and South Korea, who buy it mainly for animal feed. Around one-third of the corn grown in the United States is eaten by livestock, another third is used in the production of ethanol fuel, and the rest is either consumed by humans, exported to other nations, or used industrially. Now that's sweet corn, that's the variety that most Americans grill or boil for cookouts or just eat straight out of a can with a spoon, accounts for just 1% of all corn grown in the United States. These Farm Facts brought to you by the American Ag Network. Non-attorney paid spokesperson. 
Could your house go into foreclosure? Are you behind on your mortgage payments? Does it seem like the bank has no interest in helping you save your home and you feel like you have nowhere to turn for help? Then we have good news for you. Foreclosure Protection Services can help save your home as they specialize in foreclosure assistance. That's all they do. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, being threatened with foreclosure, have been denied a loan modification, or been the victim of a predatory loan, it's critical that you call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-926-1701. Their network of attorneys and their agents are available to speak to you now. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, Foreclosure Protection Services can help stop the foreclosure process. Call today before it's too late. New laws are in effect that may save your home. Call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-926-1701. 800-926-1701. That's 800-926-1701. Information America's farmers and ranchers need. AOA. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to AOA. Agriculture of America brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel, fueled by innovation, power to perform. Find your nearest Cenex location online by visiting Cenex.com. Well, right now we want to learn about a brand new program from USDA, Vineyard Insurance. We don't talk a lot about the uh, vineyard industry, uh, but we want to learn more about this because it is definitely very important. Joining us now to provide insight, Josh Smart, industry practice leader for agribusiness with Hub International. They are an insurance uh, brokerage. And Josh, thanks so much for joining us on AOA today. I hope you're doing well. Doing great. Thanks for having me. So let's start just in general. Uh, new vineyard insurance from USDA. Can you just give us an idea of what exactly this grapevine insurance program is? Absolutely. So it is a pilot program that is intended to cover the grapevines in a vineyard or in a uh, in, in multiple blocks within a vineyard. Uh, and the you know the intention is to mimic what the USDA did with uh, tree fruit in the tree industry for the tree protection coverage, like for uh, pears and apples. And the protection on this is a mortality policy. So it's gonna cover fire, freeze, hail, flood, and failure of irrigation supply. Um, and it is a, you know, it is a mortality policy for the vine itself. So uh, no partial damage is offered, but uh, it, it really gives the, vineyard owner and the the chance to protect their vines whereas federal crop insurance for the for the grapes themselves whether the table grapes or wine grapes is really intended to protect the production for the grapes but not necessarily the vines so the only protection that a vineyard owner or a uh the owner of that of that vineyard has is on their farm package policy which uh, the best coverage you can get is $100,000 for any mm -hmm. single event. So, so it's a pretty narrow coverage if you have a widespread disaster. So uh, this is intended to be a stopgap for that um, in that now that that vineyard owner or that vineyard manager can buy you know, federally subsidized crop insurance for the vines themselves. Yeah, I was going to say, it feels like it's kind of covering uh, all, all of our bases here because instead of just having the production covered, as you mentioned, with the grapes uh, themselves, table grapes, wine grapes, now 
we're covering the vines. So we're covering everything uh, on a vineyard operation uh, in the, you know, in case they get hit by some sort of natural disaster or something that that wipes things out. So this this almost seems like a no brainer here, Josh, to kind of cover everything and kind of close any any gaps in coverage, right? It, you know, there certainly is a, a broader amount of protection offered in this particular crop year, crop year 2024, than in the previous crop years where you only had production uh, available. Now you can protect some of the vines. And so that that is a that's a huge benefit to the grower um, and the, the vineyard owner because now they have that, uh, you know, their, their business income effectively, you know, the amount that they're going to make from the annual sale either of the of the production wine or the grapes themselves if they're uh if they're just harvesting for uh for someone else to come buy that fruit mm -hmm. then you know now they have a little bit of, of long-term protection so you know what we were seeing with with clients of ours that had you know a fire sweep through whether it be a wildfire or whatever when those vines get damaged there's you know there's a, a runway you know from two to four years before really any of that wine that is that is regrafted and regrown can be sold at or even near the quality that might have been before. So, uh, if you've got ten or twenty-year-old vines, they're not going to. That the grape is not going to taste the same from grafted vines that are only two or three years old. You know, a twenty-year-old, thirty-year-old, forty-year-old uh, vineyard is going to have a much more, uh, a much more flavorful palate. It's going to just taste it. You know, it can be sold for a higher uh, dollar per uh, for bottle. It it just has all the flavor palette that that vineyard owner is looking for versus a newer grafted vine and vineyard. You know, vineyard block is not going to have nearly the same. So it gives them that protection. It, it gives them more runway, more business income coverage, effectively to kind of put it in insurance speak. But that it just kind of adds more protection to the bottom line, more more asset protection. Well, Josh, uh, we mentioned this is going to be available for the 2024 crop year. Uh, select uh, counties and select states. Uh, so, can you talk about where this is? Uh, this program is going to be available. Uh, any deadlines for signing up for this type of insurance? Can you uh, give us those details? So, the sales closing date, which is the the deadline to to sign up for the program, is November 1st, 2023. So, we're coming up fast on that date. There's usually a slight grace period to get all the paperwork done, but you know, really November one is is the main date, <clears throat> and uh, it's only available in a certain number of states: uh, California, New York, Washington, Idaho, Michigan, Ohio, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Texas, and Washington. So there's there's a select number of states that it's open to, and those states are there's a select number of counties within those states, which is going to create a little bit of tension in states like California, where uh, San Luis Obispo County is available, but Santa Barbara County is not. So, uh, and you know, in, in our case, we've got clients in both counties. So, you know, that vineyard owner in San Luis Obispo County, Sonoma County, Napa County, they can buy this coverage. But if you're in Santa Barbara County, you cannot. So that that will eventually roll out as most of these uh, programs when they launch, they eventually expand their the number of counties in those states, and that will certainly be true as time goes on, but, uh, but yeah, it, it's limited availability. And the, the best way to find out is to, you know, reach out to your broker, uh, certainly reach out to us at Hub International. We would love to talk through this with you and, and it, you know, let you know where and when these coverages are uh, available. 
Josh, before we run out of time and let you go, any final thoughts you would share with us about this uh, new insurance program protecting grapevines? Yeah, the main thing is just that it offers a broader amount of protection. It gives that business income coverage and that uh, and that if structured right, you know, it is an asset protection program that can really benefit, significantly benefit the vineyard owner uh, so that they can continue to operate if they do have one of those claims that pops up. Fantastic. Well, we do appreciate the time and the insight. Josh Smart with Hub International. Thanks so much for joining us here on AOA today and telling us more about this new crop insurance program for grapevines. We appreciate the time. Thank you. And we're out of time here on AOA today, brought to you by Cenex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil. I'm Jesse Allen. Have a great rest of your day. The landscape of media has changed, and people are more skeptical than ever about where they get their news and information. While major news outlets show decreasing credibility, your local farm radio station still shows strong marks. In a recent survey, farmers rated information from their farm broadcasters as almost twice as reliable as major news outlets. Farm radio continues to be transparent, honest, and trustworthy. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. This is Ernie Johnson Jr. Sports is about overcoming obstacles, and college coaches work hard to help young men overcome Duchenne muscular dystrophy. It's called Coach to Cure MD, and you can help. Text the word CURE to 501-501 to donate $25 on your next mobile phone bill, or go online to coachtocuremd.org. Text the word CURE to 501-501. Help coaches cure MD. Brought to you by the American Football Coaches Association. What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common? They've all suffered from something called heart valve disease. Heart valve disease affects 11 million Americans, and if left untreated, can lead to death. Unfortunately, less than one in four Americans have much knowledge of this disease that kills more than 25,000 people every year. The good news is that if heart valve disease is treated, patients can recover and live long, happy, and productive lives. But in order to treat heart valve disease, you need to know if you have it. If you or your loved ones are over the age of 65, have been treated with radiation to the chest, have been diagnosed with a heart murmur, or have a history of heart disease, it's time to listen to your heart. Ask your doctor today about screening for heart valve disease. A message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice U.S. For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org.